0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks goes out to Ace Andrews. He will be performing superbly today. You know, before we get to our guest, just a question. Have you joined the I Work For Him Nation? Have you made... That commitment to start praying for your co-workers and employees by name each and every day. Have you made the commitment to start serving those you work alongside? Praying for those that work with you, serving those that work with you, befriending those that you work with so you have an opportunity to be the real Jesus to them. For them to see a living breathing Jesus right next to them and looking for ways to pray with people when you see that their countenance is down, but all along in your position, in your workplace, being the best, the brightest, a person of excellence. That's what it means to join the I work for him nation. Seems like high standards, but you know what? We serve God and everything about us should be the highest of high standards. And each one of us, our workplace is our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet, so we got to be intentional about it. Joining the I Work For Him Nation is just one of those steps. Go out to IWorkForHim.com, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag, start making that commitment today, start praying for your coworkers and employees in the morning, and start seeing the Lord work in your heart tomorrow and in the days ahead and watch your workplace be transformed before your eyes because of the transformation of your heart. You may not actually see change in other people, but you may see change in you. IWorkForHim.com work I work the number for him.com. Click on the I work for him nation flag. Romans 12 2 reminds us of the paradigm shift that needs to happen in our minds. And yes, every day I say this first, but every day I know there's new people tuning in. They need to hear this. It says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And then I put in, why? Because they're screwed up. We got to stop doing stuff the way the world is doing it. We got to start doing what Jesus said, not what the world says is okay. Paul goes on to say, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. (laughs) You know, about two years ago, a good missionary friend of mine, Bonnie Nystrom, she goes, Jim, I got a copy of this little pamphlet called A Better Way, written by Dale Losh, Make disciples wherever life happens. Jim, I think he'd make a great uh, guest on your show. And I'm like, okay. Well, it took a little while to actually make the connection, but today we have... Dale Losh, he's the founder, he's the president, CEO, he's probably got some other title, I don't even know all these titles, but he's in charge of this ministry called Crossworld. You can find him online at crossworld.org, that's crossworld.org, and we're going to talk about this book, but we're going to talk about this ministry and how lives are being transformed because of, basically, Dale wrote a book about I Work For Him. Dale Losh, welcome to I Work For Him.
1: Thank you, Jim. Good to be with you.
0: Uh, I'm just so thrilled that you were had some time. I know it took us a little while, and I, I'm so grateful. We'll just say thank you to your assistant, Debbie, because she worked really hard to get this done, and I'm so grateful. And I'm excited to talk about this book that you wrote. What's funny, Dale, just in all transparency, I got that little pamphlet, which is the first chapter. And so, in getting set for the interview, that's why two weeks ago I contacted Debbie and said, Listen, I thought that this was the whole book. I don't have the whole book. Can you get me the whole book <laughs> so I can read it ahead of time? Because I thought it was just a short little pamphlet and it actually covered everything. It was a great summary. So, well, and, good. anyway, Dale, let me. I always start this question with every guest on the show talk to me. As the leader of a worldwide mission movement, CrossWorld.org, how do you see God moving in your life today?
1: Well, Jim, all uh, my adult life, I would say the most significant movements of God in me personally have come through what I would call truth encounters, and uh, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Back about thirty five years ago. I was twenty two years old. I had just graduated from university. I was one way one week away from Uh, starting my first job on a church staff as a youth pastor, and uh, I was scheduled to have lunch that day with the man who would uh, become my future father-in-law. He's a guy named Pastor Jerry, a very intense, no-nonsense youth pastor in San Diego, and uh, he's the kind of guy you don't just shoot the breeze with. And so, you know, I wanted to marry his daughter, and I was uh, getting ready for this lunch with him, and I thought, I better think of something kind of intelligent to ask him. So, I came up with this question, and we were sitting there across the table from each other talking, and I said, Pastor Jerry, I said, is there anything you see in my life that I need?
0: Well, we had a little bit of disconnection there. We'll uh, Ace will get him right back. But we're talking about, we're talking today with Dale Losh from CrossWorld.org. That's CrossWorld.org. And he was just getting ready to talk about when he approached his father-in-law, now father-in-law, about asking him for his bride's hand in marriage, and uh, Ace is trying to get us reconnected, and as he's doing, we're talking, the- Dale wrote this book, A Better Way, Make Disciples Wherever Life Happens. All right, we got you back, Dale. I'm not sure what happened, but glad we still have you. Yeah. So you're about ready to ask for your wife's hand in marriage from her father. How did that go?
1: Okay, so I am I, I, I knew I had to have some, you know, something intelligent to talk to him about, and he, he's he's... He, A no-nonsense guy. He doesn't like just sitting and shooting the breeze. So I thought, of what question could I ask him? So I'm sitting there across the table from him, and I say, Pastor Jerry, is there anything in my life that you see that I need to work on? And, you know, I, when, as I look back, I don't know what on earth I was thinking, except uh, I guess I thought maybe he'd, you know, look at me and say, well, praise God, son, you know, you're, you're a man of God, pursuing God, just keep going. But, so I ask him this question. I say, Pastor Jerry, do you see anything in my life that I need to work on? And he, he did not even need to take a breath between my question and his answer. He said five words. He said, you don't love God's word. And you know, when he said that, uh, I could have argued with him. I could have said, you know, what, what do you mean I don't love God's Word? I just graduated from Christian University with a degree in missions. What, what do you mean I don't love God's Word? I, I have my Bible study every day. What, uh, I memorize four verses every every week. Uh, I'm starting next week in a full-time position as a youth pastor. But But when he said those five words, they just rang true in my heart. And that's what I call a truth encounter, and that was, that was one of the most important truth encounters I have ever had, five words spoken by a person who cared about me, and that had such an impact on my life that I purposed from that day forward that whatever it took, I would seek to cultivate a growing relationship with God through His Word. And so what God is doing in my life today is, is, is what He has done in my life the last 30 years. It, it comes through truth encounters with His Word. So I love Spending time every day with God, hearing Him speak to me, and um, and that's what changes my life.
0: I gotta tell you, there's no way I would have ever asked my future father in law that question. And it was that's <laughs> hilarious that you did that, and maybe you weren't even sure why you did it. But it, and I would ask my father in law that now, thirty years later. But that's that's. That's hilarious. When the Lord uses our lips and we're not and our tongues, and he's like, Wow, that was something I needed to hear. Wow, why did I ask that question? Well, and, and that's really what this is all about. You're involved in a ministry that it touches lives and teaches people to make disciples wherever life happens. Let's talk about Crossworld. People can find out more about it online at crossworld.org, but let's tell them why they should.
1: Well, Crossworld is all about engaging the whole body of Christ in Jesus' disciple-making mandate. Um, you know, we, we looked at our organization a few years ago, kind of did a an audit of who we were and and, and what we needed to be in this changing world. And uh, there are really a couple things that rose to the surface that we felt like we had been looking at but not really seeing. Um, and those two things were were. That the Jesus gospel mandate is about making disciple-makers, not simply winning converts. And secondly, that it's about engaging the whole body of Christ in that mandate, not just people like me with a a religious, uh, professional religious training.
0: So you wrote this book called, well, it's like a whole sentence, but you summarize it, A Better Way. There's a better way. And so what are you comparing it to? Because, you know, churches are involved in discipleship. Well, they used to be. Some are. Some aren't. But when you wrote this book, the premise behind the book, what, was it something that was revealed to you? I mean, why did you write this book? Well, we wrote it because um, we
1: really wanted to get the message out that God wants to use all believers as disciple-makers among the nations. and 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 we felt like... We, as an organization, as well as, as many others like us, have done well at engaging the religious professional to go to the nations, but we have in many ways marginalized um, much of the body of Christ and saying, you can, you can pray and you can pay, but you can't play unless you get in the game like us. Wait a minute, you got to say that behind... again. You got to
0: say that again. You can pray and you can pay, but you can't play.
1: Exactly. And that's you, you, and we've you
0: talked say, about it on the air today that that I thought at first my only calling to the church was I could tithe, I could run a committee, but I really couldn't get involved in ministry. And that's really what you're saying. I'm just trying to put it out so everybody understands. You can pray and you can pay, but you can't play.
1: Exactly. You the only way you can play is if you are willing to set aside your your secular career and become, you know, a, a full-time fully supported religious worker. Uh, like I am. And um, we just became very convinced that that is that is not good, that is not right. Amen. And and secondly that that we are all called as disciple makers whether whether God calls you to stay here in America or whether God calls you to go cross culturally with crossworld or some other organization, God calls you as a full-time disciple maker. <sighs>
0: I'm almost like breathless because I, I, you gave me a line today that I'm, not, I'm going to be able to use the rest of my life. You can pay and you can pray, but you can't play uh, or pray and then pay either way. Okay. So, but you, so you wrote this book about the fact that we can all be disciple makers and, and making right. disciples wherever life happens, which is really what I work for him is all about helping purposefully equip vibrantly effective Christ followers in our workplace. And, and, and that's so much we need that and, and a lot of churches are just now starting to get the idea wow we need to be effectively equipping those people in our pews that go out and do ministry every day in their workplace so when you wrote this book did you know it was going to be i don't know had you already lived it out when you wrote the book or did god have you write it and you're like wow i need to live this out i mean which which came first the chicken or the egg
1: well, I would say, uh, I wished I had gotten on the road a lot earlier in my life, um, but i 'm on the road and i 'm growing um, you know it 's not that it 's not that cross world and our workers and and others have not been making disciples. I, I think we do a lot of great things in our ministries, but I know for myself that um, investing very intentionally in the spiritual development and 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 replication of the life of Jesus and other individuals is not something I I had really given myself to. And so um, as we um, became aware of what we really believed God wanted us to be focusing on, it changed my focus it changed our focus um, and so i'd say I, I wasn't nearly as far down the road as i should be should have been but i'm glad it really got me on the road
0: so when you look at how crossworld works as an organization why don't you explain that for our listeners because i know that there's ways for them to get involved you got lots of great stuff on your website but why don't you just explain how how are you doing this e- engaging the whole body of christ in disciple making what is how does crossworld do that
1: well, in the past, we basically looked for those who were willing to go out as, as vocational religious workers, and we continue to do that. Today, there's about 40% of the world where you can still go and get uh, a religious workers visa and go as a pastor or youth pastor or Bible teacher, that kind of thing. But we have begun to also engage those that we refer to as job makers and job takers, Uh, So the job maker is the guy who who is gifted with entrepreneurial skills, who knows how to create uh, wealth, to start businesses, to provide jobs for people. And we're looking for people like that to go and do that in some of the least reached parts of the world. And then the job takers are everybody else, all other marketplace professions, many of which uh, are transportable cross-culturally. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who work for companies here in America that are multinational corporations who could – uh, potentially go and do what they do here in uh, another least-reached part of the world. So we have been begun engaging all of those people and saying, we need you uh, if we are going to accomplish the great commission that Christ has given us. We need you in our teams.
0: And on your website, you've got some spots where you, you've, you've highlighted places around the world saying, hey, we need somebody here. We need somebody here. This is the kind of thing we're needing here. And, and just talk about how that works.
1: Well, um, we have uh, all kinds of opportunities uh, for all different kinds of people. And so someone may come to us and say, you know, I, <clears throat> I've i got this skill, and uh, I'm wondering if you're aware of a place in the world where I could do that. Now, we're not a job placement uh, entity, so in some cases we may know of something, and others will say you're going to have to do a little digging yourself. Uh, others uh, will say, you know, you already work for a company who works in – in uh, the Middle East or who works in Asia, um, would you consider going to the vice president of global operations and sitting down with them and saying, the next time a, a, an opening comes up for a position in this area, I, I'd like to be considered. And then we, uh, we work with them to provide some of the, the training that they need uh, to help them um, learn a new culture, to help them with, with their family as they adjust to a new culture, we try to plug them into uh, teams that are already over there that um, they can be a mutual encouragement and benefit to.
0: So, all right, we've got to stop you there. We'll come right back. We're talking about Dale Walsh with crossworld.org, crossworld.org. A better way, make disciples wherever life happens. Dale, again, I hate interrupting you, and I apologize. I had to cut you out there in the last time, but we're talking about. The ministry and how you're getting people who already have professions who are willing to go do those professions in a place that is close to vocational workers but not close to professional workers.
1: Right, and uh, we, you know, there are there are already about seven million of them living cross culturally. So we're not only talking about the ones here in the U.S. who could potentially go and take their profession, but there are there are. Hundreds of thousands among those 7 million who we believe are evangelical followers of Jesus and could be much more effective in the workplace uh, if they would see their work as ministry.
0: Their workplace as a mission field. Absolutely. Okay, so, and that's something we talk about in the air all the time, but let's just step back for people, because a lot of people don't have the perspective, because some people are new Christ followers and they're like, this totally makes sense. I bring my faith where I go. But for so many years, the sacred secular divide was preached from the pulpit and pronounced by the churches. In fact, that's what, that's what the, uh, when you look at what Martin Luther was talking about, the reformation is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It, It says in the Bible that all of our professions can give glory to the Lord and that there's no hierarchy in Christendom. And so this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So but how was missions done in the past versus how it's effectively being done today?
1: That, I guess the answer to that question sort of depends on when in the past and who uh, we're talking about. But if we're talking about the, the modern-day Western missionary movement, um, it has largely been a movement of paid professional clergy. Um, now, that's not the way it's always been in all parts of the world, uh, in all of history. If you look in the early church, you'll see that um, a large part of the spread of the gospel was done by ordinary believers. Um, When you um, look at non-Western countries, uh, the large majority of those who take the gospel to other parts of the world are not going as paid clergy. They're going as vocational workers. So it sort of depends who and when you're talking about but the west it's been primarily a, a professional clergy movement
0: and when you look at that i mean it, and as i i've had many different mission organizations on the air with me and because we talk about this because that's their that's their workplace but what's happened is you know the western missionaries have gone out and planted ministries around the globe but today missions is in, in the vocational mission, are actually being more effective by taking people from within the culture and becoming, it's way cheaper, way more financially effective to take people, let's just say India. It's easier for me to say this. You know, if somebody's been led to Christ in India, they're called to the ministry. It's cheaper for us to support that missionary in India that's from India, who already understands the culture and the language and everything, than for us to send one of us over there. That's, that's a real shift, even in my lifetime of 50 years. Well, uh, that may be, and, and, I, and I
1: agree that it is cheaper. Um, at the same time, I would say, as far as I know, Christ has not revoked the Great Commission to us here in the West. So that means we still need to keep sending. And whether that is sending a traditional vocational religious worker or sending a secular marketplace worker, we, we need to keep sending.
0: Well, and I'm not saying we don't need to keep sending, but a lot of times we send, we, people think that in order to be a, be a minister or a missionary, they got to go overseas instead of recognize the fact right. that they can, you know, some people, I, I had a guy on here from Hewlett Packard Enterprise about a month and a half ago, and he works with a group of, of he works in a company that's got hundreds of thousands of people. You know that that's a big mission field, and they help start a Bible study. It's got a thousand people in it now, and, and so yeah. it depends on where we're sent. Not everybody's called to go overseas. We're just all called. We're all called Absolutely. to go and preach the gospel. And I think that's really the the premise behind the book is that we are all co- called to to uh, actually do. To, wow, I just confused my own self. To actually bring the gospel, we're all called to be presenters of the gospel, no matter what we do.
1: I, I like to say we are all called to full time ministry, Jim. I mean, you may be called to full-time ministry through radio. I'm called to full-time ministry as the leader of a mission organization. My son is called to full-time ministry uh, as an international business person, but we are all called to full-time ministry. It's not only me, the religious worker, who's called.
0: Well, and and I totally agree with that, but what's funny is that my wife and I, both three years before we met, were at a youth conference in 1979, and we both committed our lives to full-time Christian ministry, together at 13 separately in a group of 2,000 people. We met three years later and found out that we did this the same night. And we all thought that, well, that means we're going to be a pastor someday. Right. But it wasn't until my 30s that I started, somebody started discipling me and go, wait a minute, but you can be a minister. You can be a pastor in your workplace. You don't, we need people in the workplace bringing the gospel because a lot of pastors today don't get a chance to actually meet pre-Christians because they're surrounded by Christians and exactly and we're but we're in the mission field and and yes i've got a radio show but i got a full-time job too and so we all have that i just i totally get what you're saying because i originally thought i grew up thinking the full-time ministry meant that i was gonna be a pastor well if you knew me well enough you know i couldn't handle having 400 bosses i couldn't handle it (laughs)
1: Hmm. i I like to remind people what paul called politicians in in romans 13 He, he didn't call them what a lot of us might like to call them today But he called them three times in just the space of about three verses. He said, they are ministers of God. And the third time he says, they are ministers of God who give themselves to full-time governing. And I say, did you hear what he said? They are full-time ministers. If God says that politicians are called to full-time ministry, man, you're called to full-time ministry too. It's not just me. Uh, So I couldn't agree with you more. You are called to full-time ministry through your vocation.
0: We're talking today with Dale Losh from crossworld.org, crossworld.org. He's written a book, A Better Way, Make Disciples Wherever Life Happens, and we've got a few copies to give away. We still have a few copies to give away. I really want to put them in your hands. If you're really interested in trying to understand Jesus' better way, equipping all of us to go, he didn't say, hey, just a few of you go. He said, go. He said to every one of us, go, get a copy of A Better Way from Dale Losh, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. If you've been struggling with understanding your calling in your workplace, this is a book that's going to help you understand why you're called to your workplace. So let's start. We only got about 40 seconds, so we got to go to break. But let's start talking about your son, Joel, because you talked about he was called to international missions. Talk about his story.
1: Well, my, my son, Joel, he's our oldest of four. He, um, he graduated with a degree in international business. And um, one day we were talking about what he wanted to do with his life. And he said, Dad, I want to impact the world. I just don't want to do it your way. And, and what he meant by that is the, the traditional missionary way. And um, he has pursued that, and um, he has a love for the world, but he wants to do it the way God has wired him.
0: Dale, as we talked about, right before the break, we're talking about your son, Joel. And he says to you, Dad, I want to I want to be in ministry, but I just don't want to do it the way you... Actually, it's better. You just say what he said. But it was like, hey, I want to do what you're doing, but I want to do it different.
1: Yeah, he said, I want to impact the world. I just don't want to do it your way. And- And, you know, I wasn't threatened at all by what he said, because my son has great respect for me, and he has great respect for my profession. Uh, And he wasn't saying, I think I have a better way than your way. He was simply saying, I think God's wired me different, and and I want to be able to impact the world, too. But, you know, I was real frustrated um, by it, because not by the fact that that's what he wanted to do, But by this sense that that here, as a leader of a great commission organization, we really didn't have any other pathway to offer to people like my son, other than to say, well, uh, if you want to impact the world, then set aside your secular aspirations, go back to Bible college, go to seminary, and become a a full-fledged, fully supported, full-time religious worker. And so it really got me thinking, and it, it coincided with kind of where we were as an organization.
0: Well, and what you just said there, let, let's dig into that because that's what people have been told. The typical call to missions today says, okay, stop what you're doing, go back to school, get a Bible degree or a master's degree in whatever, and start raising money. And you know, in three, four, five, six, seven years we'll get you out in the field. hmm And and, and yeah, I... what's wrong with that? Because that's I mean, if seven years, if it took me seven years to get into ministry. I I have an attention deficit syndrome. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be <laughs> well, really yeah. discouraging to me.
1: You know, Jim, I, I, w- I would say there's nothing wrong with that, but what's wrong is if we say that everybody has to go that route. I mean, I, I, there is nothing wrong with going off to seminary for more intensive ministerial training. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I went to, to Dallas Theological Seminary. I wouldn't have traded for anything. And there's nothing wrong with raising financial support. In fact, there's a lot right about it, because Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, the Lord himself, Jesus himself, ordained that those who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel. So it's a biblical model. But where where we have a problem is in saying it's the only way to do it. Uh, what's wrong is that we have told believers that it's the only way, and and in so doing, I think we've severely limited the gospel witness to the nations, because it eliminates... of the body of Christ.
0: And that's, that's really the point in what you said is, listen, Jesus had a better way. He called all of us. He didn't just call less than 1%. He wants all of us to be involved in the spreading of the gospel. And when people think that in order to be able to be in ministry, they got to go off to school and become a missionary or go off to school, become a pastor and leave their profession, it's actually making a bigger hole in the mission field than filling a hole in the mission field when they do that.
1: Well, and 60% of the world today, you can't go as a religious worker. So uh, so what do you mean by that? You know, let's
0: make sure people understand what you're t- saying by that. What do you mean by that 60% of the world, people can't go as a religious worker?
1: You, you cannot get a religious worker's visa to go into those parts of the world. Uh, so people like me can't get there because we do not have any kind of profession that you could enter that country with. If I say, you know, would you give me a missionary visa? They'd say, absolutely not. Um, so unless we're just willing to write off that 60% of the world and say, well, I guess we just don't go, um, I think that's a problem. Uh, And I believe that Jesus' answer is one that has stared us in the face for centuries, and that is that it isn't just professional religious workers that should be going to the nations. It should be the entire body of Christ.
0: Well, and we've got people listening, honestly, in many of those countries that you're talking about where they— They know that people can't come in from the West to be missionaries, yet they're going, well, how do I become a missionary in my own workplace? I mean, literally, several communist countries are some of my biggest outside-of-the-United States listeners, which I don't even get it, so you know, I'm not even going to name the countries, but I I don't understand it. But okay, so let's help encourage them, Dale, as they're already there. They're from there. They live in the culture. Can they – does CrossWorld have information that can help them be more effective in their workplace? Is that a place where they can go, or do you guys network with organizations where you can help them?
1: We have uh, a training that um, we are making more and more available online. Uh, It's easy for us here in the West to get it, um, but we have training. Um, There are lots of resources, people that – we can uh, connect them to. But, you know, I I think whether it's over there or over here, um, there's not a real clear understanding of what it actually means to do your work as ministry. And, you know, I think some of us think, well, so what am I supposed to start doing, putting tracts on the urinals in the men's room? Like, what does work as ministry look like? And, you know, it's, it's, it's doing your work with excellence. It's it's being a person of integrity so that when you do mess up, you don't pretend you didn't, but you admit that you were wrong and you, you move on. It's, it's building relationships with people. And then it's praying and watching for God to open doors to, uh, to be able to minister to them with, with God's truth. So uh, it's not rocket science, but I think that we have made it a lot more difficult than it really is.
0: Well, and and that's something we talk about often on the show, just helping people understand. Listen, We don't expect you to be standing on a street corner screaming out the gospel. We expect you to be living, breathing version of the gospel in your workplace. That's what the I Work for Am Nation is all about. You heard that at the beginning. We're just challenging people to start praying for who they work with. Start serving them. Just looking for ways to serve people. Somehow, over and above, look for ways to serve people. Look for ways to befriend people, because that's how we get the opportunities to get real with people. Looking for ways to pray with people when we notice that their countenance is down. They're just having a rough day. But all along, being people of excellence, I mean, it's really why I created iWork for him, because I'm like, we got to tell people, here's how I can be a workplace minister. These are some four or five practical things that I can do.
1: And I, I completely affirm you in what you're doing. I think it is what we need, not just here in the West, but all around the world. People need to know that God wants to use them there in the workplace, and it's not that difficult.
0: When I was reading your book, I read about the Moravian Brethren. And I'd love for you to tell that story a little bit, because it's it's actually fascinating, because most Christ followers in this country don't have any idea what those guys actually went through. Most people don't even know who they are.
1: Well, they're an example of, of a group of believers uh, from several centuries back who I think got it, who understood what Jesus intended right from the start. They, they uh, came out of the Lutheran pietism movement in the mid-1700s, and they were basically a uh, a movement of believers from the artisan class who uh, expected that all of the missionaries that they sent be self-supporting and the main reason they expected that is because they believed that voluntary contributions just were simply inadequate to finance the, the task of world evangelism so they had a very high ratio of sent ones uh, to their total number of people. I think they say the ratio is about one out of every 60 Moravians actually went to the nations with the gospel, and they did it as uh, ordinary believers taking their professions and being witnesses.
0: And and that's a huge number. When you, What are the numbers today, in, like in our society? If it was one out of 60 in in Moravia, which is correct, I don't even remember which part of Europe, Eastern Europe, that was now. I mean,
1: Oh, well, it was, uh, I couldn't tell you the country for sure, Germany, uh, but... but uh, the That's what I was going to guess. Western of, European nations, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. All right, so what's the ratio today of people that actually go, whether they go as a an artisan, self-supporting kind of a person, a, as I would call them, a uh, uh, like a tent-making pastor where they're going to do a ministry, but they're doing both. They're doing ministry, and they're, they've are they got a job, and that job is ministry, or they're doing a business as ministry. What's the ratio today? If it was one out of sixty for the Moravians, what what is it today?
1: Well, as I said a few minutes ago, there are about seven million Western expats overseas. We don't know how many of those are Jesus followers, but he, if you even applied a, a, a very conservative number like five percent, that'd be 350,000 evangelical Westerners living cross-culturally, but I I would say that many, probably a large, large majority of them did not go with a vision uh, to reach the world with the gospel. They went because they wanted to go and work cross-culturally. So we would love to tap into that number. I I don't know what the ratio is. It's it's probably one in a thousand. Um, And as far as traditional religious workers, it's probably... Uh, in that neighborhood, too. But it's nothing near 1 in 60.
0: So the whole point of the book that you wrote, A Better Way, Make Disciples Wherever Life Happens, is just to help people understand that their workplace, it's significant, that as part of the body of Christ, what they do, it doesn't matter what they do, they can make an impact for the gospel. When you have, how many people who have read your book have gotten back a hold of you and go, wow, this touched my life. What are some of the stories that you've heard?
1: Uh, we actually hear a lot, um, and it's amazing that people say, you know, we just haven't heard this this kind of message before, and it's it's uh, it's given me a new vision for what God has called me to do. I think of one lady who is a lawyer up in the Northwest uh, U.S., and um, she actually was at a point in her career where she she felt like she might be wasting her life in law, and she had made a decision that she was going to get out of law and uh go and get uh ministerial training to go into what you know we have proverbially called full-time ministry and somehow she got a copy of our book i don't know who gave her the co- the book but she got a copy of the book and she started reading it and she said, it totally transformed the way I view my job. In fact, I have decided not only am I not getting out of law, I am going to run for state attorney general. <laughs> so, uh, And I don't know if she ever got it or not. I, I, I never heard the rest of the story, but um, we we hear a lot of people who say that it has given them a new uh, lease on, on life in terms of what God has called them to. Well, I'm if- not sure if... if if you're familiar with the story of um, of uh, the founder of Hobby Lobby, um, but he um, I'm, his first name slips my mind. It's but Mr. Green.
0: Green. Mr. Green, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Green.
1: And I mean, he tells a story of, of being raised in a pastor's family. He had five other siblings. All five of his uh, siblings uh, went into um, some kind of a, a traditional pastoral ministry. But he felt called to, to the marketplace, and he said, I, I, for years, I felt like a second-class citizen.
0: Dale, just as we go out to the end of the show, you've got on your website, crossworld.org, two tabs that I really like. you got the Go tab and the Stay tab. What's the Go tab about?
1: Well, the Go tab is how God can use uh, any one of us with uh, the unique wiring he's given us to go and be a part of his great commission of making disciples among the nations. <laughs>
0: and and not but not everybody when you're talking about getting people to go you're not necessarily asking people to go full-time religious full-time religion, you know, missionaries that that's all they're doing right. you're talking about people that can be full-time professionals in a foreign country
1: Exactly. And And, uh, we see there's all kinds of ways that we can um, engage the whole body of Christ in doing that. But as you said, we also have a stay tab. And uh, the reason we have a stay tab is to communicate our conviction that whether you go or whether you stay, God's calling you as a disciple maker where he has put you.
0: And that's so powerful. You have, you have the greatest job in the world. You get to talk to people about this all day long. Of course, I get to talk to people. I just don't know who's listening. You actually get to talk to people about this and get to see the impact. Just as we close out, Dale, what's one of the greatest uh, experiences you've had with seeing somebody be sent and professionally, vocationally? And the impact they've been able to make and come back to you and go, Dale, if it wasn't for your influence, this wouldn't have happened. How did God use you specifically in somebody's life?
1: Well, I think the the greatest joy is seeing someone catch a vision for how God can use them in the way He's made them. And I think of a couple um, who just went out about two years ago. Who uh, he was an elder in his church here, um, but he worked for an IT company, and uh, he he caught a vision for how God might be able to use him somewhere else in the world. And he went and talked to his company, and he got transferred to Europe. And um, He came back to us a few months later. He's still over there, but I mean, in interactions with him, he came back and he said, you know, I always heard that it takes... Uh, a long, long time to engage French people uh, in conversations with the gospel. And he said, I'm just not finding that to be true. He said, the guys I work with, um, I have all kinds of opportunity to talk to them about why I've come to do my work here in Europe. And, um, you know, that's refreshing to us to to hear people who normally would not have uh, seen a place for them uh, taking their profession cross culturally and saying, you know what, I've discovered a new way that God can use me.
0: That's a great story. A great way to end the show, Dale Losh with Crossworld.org. Thank you so much for making time today. Thanks for writing a great book. We are partners in ministry, separated by thousands of miles, but I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. You really, it's inspiring, and I love it. Thank you so much, Dale.
1: Thank you, Jim. It's been a privilege.
0: As we come to the end of another Hourware Cram Show today, I know you learned something today. I want to thank you for listening, but I know you learned something today. I know Ace learned something today, and I want to thank you for keeping everything going together, going on the show today, keeping it connected, but I know we learned something today. And the challenge that there's a better way, a challenge that you can go out to a great website like crossworld.org and find out about, hey, here's how I can go, take my profession with me, and be a minister wherever where I can stay. Take my profession with me and, make it, and be in ministry right where I'm at. There's a better way crossworld.org you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower i own my own business but ultimately i know there's a better way because i work for him